Uh, so we have to give this a sync. Sweet. Uh, how you guys doing? Great. <laughs> uh, we're here with Pelin this time, and uh, we're gonna kick it off uh, to Pelin immediately. And um, if you could kind of start off with us off with what responsibility is. Yeah, that's that's a very big big question. Like, and uh, I mean, I before starting with responsibility, maybe it's uh, better connected with connected to uh, AI responsibility because uh, once we start talking about responsibility in general the questions just uh, do not stop uh, and especially if we consider right now that it is such a popular topic uh, in public discussions also in academic discussions uh, AI responsibility whether AI can be responsible or can we talk about like uh, any like uh, human responsibility when it comes to uh, AI uh, outcomes and all. So I think uh, we should think about it in relation to AI. But yes, of course, we cannot do it before first uh, having an idea of what responsibility is. And uh, yeah, in general, uh, when we talk about responsibility attribution, uh, we talk about intentional action, right? Like uh, we need uh, someone uh, and this is uh, generally and most of the time it's a human being like individual and uh, intending to do something and this action is very different than any kind of behavior like uh, that is determined by uh, like nature laws and all like it is a human action that we are talking about and there are like two conditions most of the time uh, discussed and necessary conditions these are like uh, control like we need an agent that is in control of their action and they also the knowledge condition they should know what they are doing like those two conditions are necessary for intentional action and of course this control and uh, knowledge conditions are not enough because we also need an agent like and when we talk about agent we are uh, talking about someone who has relevant mental states, desires, beliefs, and intentions. And uh, that's what makes human beings different than the other kind of uh, like entities because they are beings with uh, like desires, beliefs. And so those are kind of like the two things for uh, intentional action, like an agent with mental states and uh, their intentional action. So we can actually like keep uh, this basic uh, account as the base for uh, like uh, talking about responsibility. So what are what are some of the contemporary problems in the debate? Because I, one of the general things is how do we ascribe responsibility, especially in the realm of AI, which is yeah. your realm of expertise. There are all these words that we use in social contexts like responsibility, like accountability, and they have all a whole bunch of literature, a whole bunch of definitions, social commentary on on what they are and how to think about them. But in the realm of AI, they pose a very particular problem because we're actually talking about how to even or whether to even ascribe intentionality or agency to them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, right now, these days, everybody talks about, I don't know, large language models, like especially ChatGPT is like the huge topic, very like hot topic right now. And but also uh, this discussion didn't haven't started like with large language models. This goes back before like and even when uh, I mean, tools are so essential to our like uh, active social activities every day, like all kind of 
tools like uh, I don't know from tables to coffee cups those artifacts hum- human made entities are so embedded in our whole social life so this actually responsibility questions we could even think about uh, like with those basic kind of tools like but the questions there are not that uh, like controversial or interesting because the general and standard answer for when it comes to using uh, artifacts and tools, it is the human being in the end who is responsible. Like when somebody like murders uh, with a knife, mostly, uh, of course, there are accounts saying that the knife is also part of the agency there, but those are really like uh, not, uh, we couldn't say this is the standard account. The standard idea is that even there's a tool or Uh, the responsible is the human part of the action but this part like this idea gets very complicated once we start talking about complex uh, and artifacts and these are mostly like ai uh, like uh, computer systems and uh, and also we cannot also generally talk say ai because also there are different kind of systems we are talking about and with symbolic approach for example Still, the questions are not that uh, controversial or very interesting because uh, still the human being is kind of the responsible part. And uh, But when it comes to, for example, what these days we are talking about large language models, machine learning especially, like then the questions get really be, uh, like interesting and complicated because the human part like uh, becomes like less and less involved in this whole process. And I think uh, right now the part that is uh, hotly discussed and like uh, try uh, and try to be like uh, people are trying to find answers are uh, the questions uh, about machine learning, responsibility questions about machine learning system. So it is important to make the distinction that we are not talking about any kind of like a tool or like a in technological uh, like artifact but we are really talking about machine learning systems yeah i can jump in there just to to, to get a little bit more of a uh, info on that as well is the um, found it interesting that um when you're defining defining agent mm-hmm. you actually you said uh, that the agent has to has uh, mental states yeah and that goes a little bit Well, I, I did. I had lectures in um, on artificial intelligence, and yeah. everything is called an agent, right? Mm-hmm. An agent is something that can act, yeah. and even and even in in some research on cognitive science, you have uh, infants or uh, like any subject watching a video or where they see agents. Those agents do not have mental states, but we attribute mental states mm-hmm, to them, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So. Your definition of agent, well, th- that is that is what you said before. For the attri- for the attribution of intention, you have to have control and knowledge, mm-hmm. which I think agents that can act have and can have, but they do not mm-hmm. need to have mental states. And you put a those you put a this prerequisite there. So just for me to understand, uh, is that exactly what you are defining as your your topic of problem? Like did the, the The idea, because it can it can it can go both ways. It can be just as I said, the attribution of mental states, or the necessi- the necessity yeah. of having something that similar to mental state. Yeah, yeah, I get your uh, like uh, question because uh, 
I mean, yes, for me, it is kind of important that when we talk about agent, we are also talking about like uh, the existence of mental states. Like, but this is not the view that everybody defends. Like, because we are also talking about mental states attribution. You know, like, and for example, you know, like there are instrumentalists like Dennett, like talks about. Uh, Yeah, if it is uh, useful to attribute mental states, then what is the problem? Mm. We can uh, attribute mental states. We don't necessarily need to know whether this entity has mental states. But I don't know. I have doubts about that. And since I'm trying to like uh, really take the standard account, like kind of, especially like uh, in philosophy at least, like the standard account is really for agency is someone... Uh, Uh, like with mental states okay. and but I agree this is not a view that especially uh, in different disciplines and all maybe this is not the standard and that uh, comes with different problems also but I need to have some kind of an account of agency and I kind of uh, like uh, like rely on this idea mm-hmm. I see Yeah, I, that's definitely fair. I because um, the way I deal with agency is much more broad. Yeah. Especially w- because I deal with biological agents in general, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then describing the storage of information like a, a bacterium would be an agent that I would deal with um, yeah. philosophically. Would so that's I'm, yeah. But yeah. in philosophy, it's very anthropocentric. Mm-hmm. Like uh, yeah, it's really agency is all about human beings. In ethics, vampire. Because, you know, agency discussions are related to responsibility discussions and it is related to also ethics. And it has been like for the longest time, it was focused on human beings, like individuals, rational being who is acting and thinking and who has ends that they want to achieve and who knows what their means is to achieve those ends. Like so mental states come kind of naturally comes into picture in this way. So, yeah, uh, It's good to, I think, consider other perspectives, but uh, I think like the standard in uh, philosophy right now is uh, maybe not right now, actually, because it was, but with the artificial intelligence and all, maybe this idea of agency is also changing. So, mm-hmm. uh, but at least uh, this was how it was like uh, agency, like with human beings. Like It yeah. makes sense for me that that you create a much narrow uh, um Um, fields to investigate mm-hmm. um, but at the same time I see that maybe you can exclude some some things involved on the attribution of responsibility to something that can be seen as an agent when we, we, we get to for example function so some some things have functions right yeah. the functions are designed by someone yeah. else and do you know um, do you know that it's, it's, it's horrible uh, of phrase but we probably heard it like just a uh, Uh, guns don't kill people. Uh-huh. People kill people. So mm. there is yeah. a fun- the, the gun has a function, right? It's a, it's yeah. it's not an agent, but yeah. it's an object. It's an artifact that has. There is a function on it that it was designed for that thing. And then what this phrase does is just like misattribute what is the outcome of using a gun. And uh, I, I don't know what you think about that, but but I understand. Just like I think it's actually quite neat that you you put a boundaries there and say like well. We are looking for 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 things that uh, think or or yeah. uh, can can produce something like thought or intentionality. Yeah. Intentionality. Yeah. Yeah, 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 intentionality. Yeah, I mean, you actually made a good point. Like uh, maybe not what is needed is could be not 
the real existence of in, in internal mental states, but just the idea of that uh, we can attribute mental states. Mm. Like maybe this could be already enough. Okay. Uh, so yeah, maybe it's better even like to leave it a bit open. And because once you go with yes, uh, we need someone that has internal mental states. You already like kind of close the doors for any kind mm -hmm. of other agents, and that's not the greatest movie, right? Yeah, I think we also have this issue where when we look at tools into machines, you have a tool, like you said, with a hammer. Mm -hmm. And the the causal, the there's no real causal gap. It, it's really uh, clear what happens when an individual uses a hammer to hammer in a nail. Um, but as, that, as machines become more complex, opacity gets put in, in mm -hmm. terms of the causal mechanism. So if I have a lever and Guilherme makes the... Uh, say the 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 pulley at the top of a pulley, and I'm using the pulley, and the the pulley uh, top sort of breaks, and then a box falls and kills somebody. Now there's an interesting problem because I'm using the pulley, mm -hmm. um, but Guilherme is the one that makes the the mechanism that broke, and so now all of a sudden there's opacity in terms of the causal mechanism. Yeah, I pulled yeah. it up, yeah. but there was some kind of faulty mechanism, and I, we we do make legislation around things like this. And I think that that's quite interesting. And as we get more complex AI, we get increasing amounts of opacity to the point where it's like, okay, well, I programmed something in, and if I have a machine learning, mm -hmm. the machine is uh, learning absent the human, it's teaching itself. Yeah. And so then you have a problem of, okay, well, is the individual at fault because they programmed the machine to learn, or is the machine at fault because it learns on its own? Yeah, this opposite problem actually, uh, yeah, uh, even we can think about it with basic tools, right? Like, uh, and also, I mean, this idea that the difference between tools and machine, this goes back to like Hegel, Heidegger, like mm -hmm. they talk, Marx talks about what machine is, uh, how is different than any kind of tool. Because when he says, for example, like a machine is not really replacing uh, the, I don't know, it is replacing the human being actually like uh, different than any other kind of tool tools are not replacing uh, the agent or like uh, the agent of the action but what machine does is uh, like replacing the uh, human being or the individual who is the subject of the action so uh, but the opposite uh, part is even there like before we talk about like uh, advanced AI technologies, it's already there, so, yeah. Tell me more, uh, t tell me what the problem is. Great, great, <laughs> yeah. I mean, the problem is now called, like now, it, I think now the literature goes back, I don't know, if, uh, Matthias talked about it, like 2007 or so, like uh, the responsibility gap, it is mm. called. And the responsibility gap is mostly concerns with like not the basic tools that we talked about like hammer or like uh, i don't know uh, other kind of tools that we uh, that goes back uh, but it concerns really uh, mostly like machines right and because as i said in the beginning like the human factor and the human decisions got uh, so little in this whole process. I mean, you actually described it better than I did, uh, how machine learning uh, works like. And it is, I mean, it 
learns itself like on its own right like in the course of action it makes its own rules like and different from symbolic uh, systems like uh, it is they they have black box operations like and we cannot read they are not explainable easily so what that creates the problem of attributing responsibility because uh, i mean in with tools it's kind of straightforward we just attribute responsibility to the individual who uses the tool but when it comes to for example self-driving cars let's say like who is there to attribute responsibility like uh, the default answer would be okay they are advanced but they are still tools and uh, the default answer could be that yeah it is the uh, user or the maker or the programmer or like but this is not super satisfying in the end like it doesn't really correlate with our common sense uh, idea of justice and all really attributing this responsibility to individuals so response this uh, like creates this responsibility gap mm-hmm. and Yeah, this is the problem, and uh, like the question then is, okay, how are we gonna respond to this responsibility gap? Yeah, I think one of the interesting things about legislatively about self-driving cars is initially people were thinking about self-driving cars as replacing the car. Yeah. But legally, uh, I think it was almost a decade ago at this point, they in the United States and a lot of countries have followed suit. They ruled that the self-driving car car replaces the driver, which is, I think the most important thing and that i think that's really accurate and also speaks to marx's point yeah exactly uh, which is that yeah. the machine replaces the the intentional agent yeah. and this is also i think it's it's a really interesting conversation because it's been happening taking place for well over a thousand years um the debate of are, do animals have intention if if i own a dog and the dog bites someone where's the intentionality mm-hmm. and you have you have points where you define the problem space and the causal mechanisms at play and I can't there are certain things that I can do to ensure my dog doesn't bite someone but if I do all those things I've I've taken responsibility and if the dog still bites someone then uh, I'm almost absolved of any wrongdoing and so that's an interesting set of parameters that we use that maybe we can apply to something like AI where and and this is the problem right what are those things like the fence the leash making sure the dog is fed and happy uh, all of these things don't abuse the dog what are those things for ai that if ai messes up then it's ai's fault you have to sort yeah. of yeah yeah i mean uh, with more basic mechanisms it's like easier like uh, you just For example, when I say easier, no, I'm not even referring to those like hammer or something. I'm also uh, talking about this general idea of like the programmer, for example, like uh, and there are like with symbolic systems, it is more straightforward, like the programmer, the coder is kind of responsible. But uh, when it comes to like machine learning, what happens is there it is more similar to uh, your example. It is not really about programming or coding anymore but it is more similar to creating something as if you are uh, new uh, like em- emerging a new entity almost and then the way you talk about their actions kind of changes like i think there was a paper that's uh, to- making a, a similarity between i don't know your parents responsibility for their uh, children like and s- 
it is kind of similar because uh, you cannot. There's also this strange thing happening there. Once uh, a child uh, does something wrong, I mean, you cannot really attribute the responsibility to them because let's say it is like five years old or something. They are not really capable of uh, this knowledge and like they are not fulfilling those conditions of intentional action so much. The, their agency level is not that high as an adult. And so it is kind of similar the situation when it comes to, for example, uh, products like, I don't know, ChatGPT. Like it is, uh, you cannot ascribe the responsibility to them because you cannot really talk about agency there. But uh, the human part is like, involved in this process in the creation part but if you think about parent and children yeah parent is also responsible right but the questions are getting difficult and uh, and when it comes to what are you gonna do like what are the, there are so many factors involved in this i think uh, well i think i, I agree with Owen, and i think i can see at least at least i can i can conceive uh, how you could do this this translation uh, because what you're doing with the dog, it's a, it's it's creating the environment on which the dog it's uh, uh, it's going to develop uh, further behavior. So the colder the person that develops it, uh, AI to also to have to create the environment on which the the two develops itself. Mm -hmm. So the environment is it's it's po it's put there by someone. So I think, and I, I would like to hear your opinion on that. That what is what is most interesting here is how we how we, we connect responsibility with the capacity of an agent in this case to predict the outcome mm. of their actions being it creating the environment or even like whatever you do either what whatever action you do we are kind of measuring the distance between uh, uh or yeah how further or how well this person can predict so you can raise a child and there will be certain things that you can do to that child that will certainly lead the child to act in a certain way with certain amount of predictability yeah. and there are other things like the dog well i gave all the the kind of right environment for the dog to not bite people in what and the dog did bite someone and that was unpredictable so what they're doing with the ai is just like well i did this too i let it run and I don't know what's gonna happen. So I think that's that's maybe an interesting problem, right? So, uh, because we are there is a connection like between responsibility and someone being able to predict what's the outcome. You are touching upon a great point, I think, because uh, like intentional action is also not completely about. Uh, okay, it is about uh, control and capacities for control and knowing, and uh, but. There are also situations like independent of AI that we ascribe responsibility to individuals without uh, the necessary conditions of control and knowledge. For example, mm -hmm. it is better to give an example. Mm -hmm. Like uh, we talk about implicit bias, for example. And what is tricky about implicit bias cases is that uh, we have an individual and they act in a certain way, like discriminatory way towards an uh, member of a, a group and they are not aware of their uh, behavior and they are not fully controlled. So those conditions are not fully satisfied in this case. But 
we still like ascribe to a certain level responsibility. It is not as same as uh, intentional action because in this case, implicitly biased behavior is not an intentional action. But still, those are the cases that we ascribe responsibility. And what you say, this idea that foreseeing consequences, like, uh, and... This is also a factor like, yes, you do not have full control, fully, you are not fully in control, but you have some kind of control about like what could uh, the product could lead to. And this is kind of important, like you cannot really ignore this part, like the individual or the maker who is responsible for creating this uh, tool is also responsible for uh, like about foreseeing the, uh, its outcomes. So this is a point that uh, could be like taught about more than ascribing responsibility. Let me push back on some things. Um, <clears throat> so we have the, the prediction thing is interesting, right? And I, But I think that we can easily build AI that can make predictions. Like I can ask ChatGPT, what would happen if uh, I knock something off the table? What would happen if I gave you a body and you accidentally knock the cup off the table. And I, I think there's something where AI can not just predict, uh, we can we can use it, probe it, to not just predict physical um, outcomes, but also social outcomes. Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's really interesting. And I think one of the things that people are so interested with in things like ChatGPT is you can make it build social scenarios and it will give us really complex, nuanced interpretations of things. So that's... That that ability for prediction, I think, is less important than when when we ascribe mental states to it. It can produce predictions as an output, right? But when we ascribe a mental state to it, we're like, okay, well, it it has all of these complex cognitive capacities, and we're assuming that what it can produce is knowledge of its actions and knowledge of its outcomes. So that's a really interesting point. But one of my problems with something like intention is we create this this uh, ever-tightening circle, right, of who is actually an intentional, aware, knowledgeable agent. Because children are not knowledgeable enough because they're not old enough. Mm-hmm. So then we cut off everybody who's under 18. And then if if somebody can argue that they're not mentally stable, then it's like, okay, well, they don't have full intentionality. If somebody was intoxicated, they don't have full intentionality. Um, if they were really upset, you have crimes uh, committed in the heat of passion, they're not fully responsible. So you can degrade people's culpability. And then it's like the the only people that are truly responsible are between the ages of 18 and 75 in the middle of the day who've had caffeine and food and water. And it's this really weird space that we build where we, we uh, and I think that's why we had spoken about this before. When we build legal structures, we look at the outcome the outcome is prioritized over the intention. Mm-hmm. So if you commit murder, it's not whether or not you meant it. Murder is first, that's a priority, so you're guilty of murder, and then the intention is a secondary thing which may loosen the sentence mm-hmm. a little bit. But the outcome is the most important. And I think that's a really interesting thing that we have to keep in mind when we look at AI, which is if there is harm, uh, then we know that there is an issue. We need to address the issue specifically. And then we get to this interesting thing, uh, which is what are the, what are the factors or, the, or the, inten- uh, the agents or the aspects of the problem that are actually responsible? And maybe you can 
go into that sort of three part responsibility solution of the mm-hmm. responsibility gap? Mm-hmm. First, uh, there was this part. Sorry, can you repeat the last thing you said? Because I had a, a great idea about it. It's like uh, just the last two sentences. Yeah, before the three-part responsibility. Yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So just about how when we're when we're looking at AI, we have to think about how we look. Just generally, we ascribe uh, we look at outcomes as the most ah, important yes, thing. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Because we can't know intentions or mental states. We 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 try to deduce them, but we can know behavior. I can record your behavior. I'm recording your behavior now, but I'm not recording your mental state, and I, in a sense, cannot know it. It's an it's an unknowable factor. But behavior is a noble factor, so we default to that in all legal yes, things. Yes, 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 uh, that's true. Like you, before going into this whole intentionality discussion or intentional action, first there's the outcome, right? The behavior and the harmful effects. Or it doesn't have to be harmful. We are mostly talking about harmful, but also there are case responsibility is not only attributed when it comes to harm. Like, uh, But yeah, this is more like important part that's why we must talk about time but also for the benefits we uh, ascribe responsibility and you first look at the outcome and then uh, you go backwards looking like uh, you uh, look at the nature of the action like and what kind of an action is this is this an intentional action if it is intentional it's pretty straightforward and clear right like uh, you just ascribe responsibility to the uh, agent of the uh, intentional action But with the responsibility gap we are talking about, this is, as we discussed already, it's not that clear who to ascribe this responsibility. And the default answer, as I said, is like the seeing those uh, machines as very uh, similar to, uh, like in the same category as simple tools. But then this would also come with some problems because isn't it important this kind of distinctions like it, like the distinction between a machine and tool because uh, we are talking about autonomous like uh, machines and autonomy is kind of important uh, and that's why if you treat them as any other kind of tool you are missing on some uh, distinctions that are important and also Like, for example, I think it's better to talk about some concrete examples. Like, it doesn't really satisfy our uh, idea of, like, uh, justice or, like, maybe not justice, but, for example, this AlphaGo, uh, like, Go player, computer bot. And uh, really, like, let's just intuitive, give some intuitive answers to that. Like, when it uh, wins a game, like... Uh, what do we think like there like who wins uh, the game this in the scope like uh, who is like really is it the Who's case the best that, exactly yeah. who is the go player that uh, won the game like and i don't know what would you think like uh, what would be your first answer for example yeah that's that's a hard thing to say mm-hmm. yeah. uh <laughs> it's yeah it's it's difficult because especially with And I think this just a side tangent with something like Go, because intuition is such a strong part of the game, people are doing what the machine did, which is the only way to get better is to play so many times mm-hmm. that you have an intuition about it. And that's, the to me, one of the most interesting things about Go as opposed to the chess bot is that we built uh, something with uh, intuition, in a sense, that the output is intuition because it beats somebody at Go with moves that... it could only produce because it saw everything 
And it did something where the human lifespan's just not long enough to see, to watch whatever it was, billions of games. Uh, and and that's a that's an interesting sort of thing where the the human agent has an intention to win. The Go, uh, Alpha Go doesn't have an intention to win. No. I'm, so he didn't. Yeah, I, I, in the end. <laughs> yeah, I think it. I think it probably outmaneuvered, but it didn't. It didn't do so with the intention to win, mm. and that's a really interesting thing. And, and then, it, would you call that win? Yeah, did, would you did, even did, call did that playing? Did you call it? Play? Yeah, yeah. It, did it even play go? And that's that to me is probably one yeah, of the most interesting play, questions. You didn't play, did yeah. That's true. But then you know if <laughs> if the if the go champion uh, was. Uh, intoxicated and it was late at night and we found out that he had a brain tumor, then we could also not ascribe intentionality to him either <laughs> in a legal framework because all of a sudden we have all these yeah. contingencies for, for legal responsibility, for culpability. We'd say, oh, well, you know, there are caveats on his agency or his intentionality. And I think that's a very strange thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I was I was pushing back still on the thing with the prediction before because mm. uh, what, I, what, I, what I meant before was the prediction on um, an intentional agent side, and then you 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 push back with the intention with the prediction of the machine itself, which I think would look more similar to what you're describing about the go. I mm. don't I don't know mm. exactly without the intention to predict if there is any 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 anything to be said about that. But when you talk about the dog owner or the programmer, mm -hmm. the intention to create an environment and your responsibility to predict what the outcome of that environment will be is responsibility, right? So, and that comes with, with knowledge as well. It's just, uh, uh, so that's what I was still thinking about. But um, but I, I think you, you the thing with the Go, it's, 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 it's super interesting because, uh, yeah, I haven't thought about that in that way, actually. Yeah, because uh, once you talk about harmful effects, it's kind of, uh, I, I don't know, the answers uh, got somehow a bit easier. But once you talk about, like, for example, who wins the, the game or like then it's, I don't know, I think the benefit part is e even more complicated when it comes to ascribing mm. responsibility. But yeah, uh, going back to this uh, default answer of instrumentalism, like uh, saying that it is the human being and uh, that is responsible, either the user or the uh, programmer or maker, like or manufacturer. Also, there are manufacturers in this human part. It's not really we are talking about one person making mm -hmm. something. So, but let's not go into this huge uh, discussion: who is the maker and who is the responsible, uh, the human part. Like, but. Uh, Another worry about this idea is that if we keep blaming individuals like or let's say the programmer, for example, or the creator for uh, like, uh, like, I don't know, chat GPT, let's say, or a chatbot that we are talking about, then this also comes with the worry that uh, technological innovations could also be restricted in a way because in the end, these people are not uh, like making those uh, products I with the aim of like uh, making them harmful or like. Uh, so in the end, if we if we keep blaming uh, individuals for this, so 
I don't know, like uh, the programmer or the maker could be also like say in the end, you know what? If I am gonna get the blame for this thing that I cannot even foresee its uh, like future outcomes, I'm not gonna be uh, doing anything similar to that anymore. Like also, it could be a positive thing. Maybe people would think more about releasing such products before, uh, like. Because they would consider the uh, blame that they could be attributed in the end. So in the end, people would be more cautious about it. So I don't know what is the, uh, which part is bigger, the positive or negative. But the instrumentalist view definitely comes with some drawbacks there. Yeah, there, there's an interesting thing where the, the user can also bear some responsibility mm-hmm. if we build the right safeguards. And I think one of the problems is Uh, because also one of the first things that came to mind when we were talking about last time is gun the gun thing so it was funny that it also came to your mind immediately is True. because it's built to harm people mm-hmm. there is no debate on whether or not the gun is built to harm people that's what it does yes um <laughs> yes, and to make holes to make holes in things <laughs> in things <laughs> yeah and um and the the interesting thing about ai like you said is that the ai typically is not made to be harmful at least the ones that a majority of them we can say like at least at the very least a simple majority but i think a vast majority are not made to harm anybody um but then you get something like m- potentially negligent um production of ai where i don't care about what the repercussions are um where i think you can get also into corporate responsibility where i don't think probably any of the programmers at a company like facebook bear the responsibility but definitely the senior leadership does especially when they're negligent to information where their products clearly harm people but then there's an interesting thing because if we if we uh wrongly attribute culpability to the designer instead of the corporation like you were saying that'll stifle um uh any type of ingenuity or creativity but if we were to create something like systems where people know that they're engaging in an environment where there are risks mm-hmm. then there's something interesting people don't always engage with the dark web because they know there are risks but also when you look at things like alcohol people produce alcohol it's not produced for a negative reason although sometimes marketing campaigns are very negative uh again you can blame the corporation but alcohol use you know what you're getting into It's the same thing with tobacco use where the messaging around the product we can argue is malicious i would argue that but the the product itself is not re- uh malicious and so that's an interesting thing where uh, maybe it requires a balance of regulating the product to the right degree but then also creating systems where the agents are not by default exposed because right now where children are by default exposed to instagram there's no tiktok there's no way to shield them from it Yeah, I think you are absolutely right. Like uh, the user part is somehow even in this instrumentalist picture. It, like they don't say it is only the makers responsible or something. They also say yeah, users or makers like the human part. But users part is uh, in many concrete cases are so obvious. Like we also talked before about this, for example, chatbot Tay, like it was years ago. Uh, it's a Twitter chatbot and it started to make racist comments and uh, it became uh, uh, like a bigot. And uh, But it was not made for this, like because of the interactions uh, with the users, like it turned out to be like that. So in this case, it is somehow... Uh, 
like the intuitive answer is more like okay also what micro microsoft said like you know this is not our fault i mean of course they are going to say this but uh, it also makes sense that it is the users actually who abused like the chatbot so yeah there's something there when you are releasing such a product uh, you have to kind of know the this goes back actually what you said before like uh, you have to kind of know the environment that you are releasing into this, you are releasing this product into, like, because it could have been forced in, no? Like this chatbot, Twitter users and all. I mean, this was not out of nowhere that happened. So in the end, the, yes, there are many cases that users are also responsible. But even in those cases, like the uh, programmer or engineer is kind of uh, could be seen as the responsible. Yeah, I would go in that direction as well. I think there is a fine line of blaming the victim there. Yeah. Um, um, and we, we know where that leads to. And um, yeah, it was this, um, well, how is it called? It's a chatbot that's supposed to be your girlfriend or boyfriend. Mm. Uh, um, I forgot the name now. It's a replica or something like this. So. Not sponsored. So. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's interesting how it seems that it preys on people's insecurities and uh, uh, fragile mental states and just like, yeah, does the person that get getting to it knows what they're getting into if if they are kind of a susceptible kind of state. So it's more, well... It's it's it's. I think it's a fine balance. I think there is a gray area there. It's yeah. blaming the victim. It's um, I would I would I, I would be more prone to put the weights on the on the side that has the resources to really um, uh, go after a good way to predict the outcomes of the environment uh, or the product that they're putting in the environment. I think that's a, that's that's what I would go for. Yeah. I yeah. think, mm, no. yeah, we kind of agree that this whole idea of predicting the outcome is important. Yeah, uh, ironing out contingencies uh, so that people aren't um, can't hide behind the fact that they didn't know, but actually enforcing something like negligence. Mm. Uh, and you get this big problem where um, when we see government regulations, sometimes it's so costly to enact these regulations. Like there was a series of regulations recently where Google had to conform to certain regulatory standards, which is great. Uh, the cost of those regulatory standards was $100 million. Uh, nothing for Google. But, uh, and yes, part of the cost is because of the scale of Google. But this was just a very expensive thing to try to implement, regardless of the size. Uh, and so you get this problem where are we going to uh, expedite moves to, toward monopoly purely because the only people who can adhere by the standards are large corporations. And so you have this problem where when we, when we build in systems which make people more accountable, we also have to strip uh, <laughs> the, the larger corporations of some of their sort of uh, full integrations where we can say, okay, um, this is very costly, but this is also then something you in turn have to provide to the rest of the industry. And th there you get these, these interesting sort of things where you have a lot of hands making a lot of components to the, to the structure, which are not uh, no longer um, proprietary. 
I think that's that's an interesting thing because I was thinking about uh, about the strategic ignorance and things like that. So how how would you separate uh, um, what is negligence from no knowledge? <laughs> Right, because yeah. because in, in, in touching on what Owen just said, like how do you know that someone made enough to acquire the necessary information? How how do you measure? Okay, you are a big company. You put uh, like billions on that research to know what's going to happen, what's going to be the outcome of this tool that you're putting in the market, and this other one doesn't have so much money, but it did everything that it could. I don't know. Like how how would you? I think t uh, these problems, like our questions, are very complicated. Like uh, especially this negligence and knowledge that uh, there is some distinction, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, they are different, but uh, the negligence part creates this uh, gray zone that it's really you cannot uh, attribute as easily as you can uh, do with uh, like knowledge condition. But with negligence, it's like. I don't know. It is important, but uh, also very difficult to pinpoint, like, and uh, talk about responsibility there. But that is that definitely has a role there, like, important. But um, what it is, it <laughs> maybe uh, I guess I because I think about ignorance a lot because I think about beliefs a lot. Mm -hmm. But um, I typically view ignorance as a uh, an absence of a belief or an absence mm -hmm. of knowledge. But then negligence, like ignorance is the umbrella category. Mm -hmm. Negligence is a subcategory of ignorance where it's an intention towards an absence of a belief or a knowledge. And so that, again, we have that really tricky problem of intention. But I think that's purely the, the, the defining subset of, of ignorance. So you have this ignorance in general is a problem because, you know, where was Microsoft able to foresee anything like problems with its chatbot? That's that's a really important thing because then we have do we have an intention towards ignorance or a lack of intention towards ignorance, and with a small with a small company you get the reason why we tend towards large companies in general why it's so successful in the general general public is they have to adhere to greater consumer standards and we also think well their machines are probably safer and they have you know more oversight and all these things which isn't true <laughs> always uh, I'd say in large part a lot more of the unhealthy or uh, unsafe foods or salmonella poisonings come from large food manufacturers rather than mm -hmm. small ones. Uh, but there is this assumption, oh, I know the brand, therefore it's going to be more safe. And at the very least, the government is going to hold them more accountable. So there's this sort of, there's this assumption. And I think we have to break down those in implicit assumptions in order to get to the heart of the problem with AI. Because am I going to trust my whole life, say I, out, uh, I get a banking assistant that does all my banking or my taxes for me. That's a big chunk of my um, awareness, right? That I might outsource to an AI in 10 mm -hmm. years. Am I gonna trust a, a company like Google or a small startup that says they're gonna do it better, safer uh, than Google and give me more rights? And probably the smaller company will be better, but there are gonna be different sets of contingencies that each one can plan for. Yeah, I agree. No, no, I'm gonna go in the same direction. It's just that exactly what I what I what I said, and, and with uh, the tendency is just uh, uh, more competition um, of tools. So uh, um, with more competition uh, um, comes uh, ways to make it cheaper, and ways to make it cheaper comes with less ways to be 
to predict the outcomes of or, or like less resources employed on the prediction of the bad outcomes of your tool so yes um one thing's fitting to the other and um yeah at some point uh, people like we won't need um um any kind of corporation for like so individuals are going to be able to build very 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 complex ai tools by themselves and uh then uh then i think it's a it's another uh ball game um, one thing we didn't do which maybe would be really useful is what are sort of the the two extreme positions and then what's sort of the middle ground position yes, in the contemporary yes. debate i was actually going to move on because i feel like we gave so much space to instrumentalists that we are being unfair <laughs> yeah, to yeah. machine ethics that everybody is talking about and but before moving on i just want to add something uh, i mean data right it is the most important thing when it comes to like thinking about machines like machine learning so, and like the data's the sample you have is kind of what determines the outcome mm. and uh, it matters so much who collects that data and who like who are those people are they cautious enough are they like responsible enough or like even the bigger problem data itself is like i mean we are it could be problematic mm. like even though the person who like the collecting part is okay let's say but the data itself could reflect the injustices in society and that would result in uh, ai uh, having an unjust outcome so it the issue there is so mm. deep with data that uh, you're right this whole idea of big companies small companies and the uh, process of collecting data is matters so much but still it doesn't stop the problems the problems do not stop there so uh, i am a bit pessimistic i think when it comes to thinking about how like uh, like how important the data is there and how uh, the social structures are already not uh, like well and good and just enough that in the end those systems are just reflecting what is uh, already there so yeah somehow i ended this part a bit pessimistic note but uh, yeah this is what i think but yeah uh, the instrumentalist view is mostly that and there are different worries and the other view is machine ethics like it is kind of popular right now like uh, and this also brings us uh, to what we discussed like before this mental states is it really are they necessary for agency because they apparently ascribe some uh, machine ethics is about ascribing responsibility to machines mm -hmm. and since i started the whole discussion with the idea that we need an agent with a mental states how are they doing that how without having this agent with mental states how are they ascribing responsibility to machines so this is kind of a view more similar to instrumentalist in the sense of like uh, tenet that we talked like uh, just ascribing mental states for its usefulness like and uh, not really the be, not really being realistic about mental states there and they are not looking for really a genuine moral agent there they are really looking for functionally moral agent there so uh, so the big questions of whether ai is conscious or whether ai has sentience or like these are not really so important for machine ethics people like they are not 
very so much concerned about whether AI has mental states or not. They just see it from a very pragmatist uh, perspective. Like, okay, if it is useful that we ascribe some moral agency to individuals, I, I'm sorry, the AI, and so we should do it. Like, and if it's it is so obvious that there are cases that we cannot really hold uh, responsible individuals, so maybe this is what we should do. Like, we should. Uh, maybe blame machines for their uh, outcomes. I don't know what to think about this idea. And uh, you, you said that before, uh, the, the problem is how that satisfies uh, our sense of justice. This how, also, how, does, how does it do? Yeah, I still, I think I'm trying to discover what is our sense of justice in those cases. <laughs> That's why every time, because in most of the cases we kind of have, I don't know, with trolley problem or the others, like with ethical questions, there's kind of a clear uh, intuition that is there that you could easily pinpoint or something. But we, it those, with those cases, I'm not sure what is our common sense of justice there, because the instrumentalist view doesn't also like satisfy that. But the machine ethics, like attributing responsibility to that, I'm also not sure about that. I think that view is somehow the one that I'm the uh, least uh, sympathetic to. But I'm not sure. Maybe this could change. But the idea of um, like blaming machines or like uh, attributing moral responsibility to machines, I don't know. Like I'm not convinced. What do you think? No, I'm I'm not convinced. <laughs> I think that's a that's a difficult route to go down. Um yeah, just because we don't it's so it's so opaque. Um, our even our understanding of our own intentionality and our own culpability is not clear cut where we we debate these things in court. Adding uh another set of of problems is going to make it so much more complicated. And I think I I guess I'm also Uh, a fatalist in this, in the sense, I think people will always default to the human agents. I think ironing out machine ethics is almost pointless unless we build a system of um, self-regulation. We build machine jurisprudence and and an overarching uh, council of AI that different people create. And then they analyze AI internally. Do you wanted to have a new legal system just just for them that they operate internally, and then they give us an output, you know? and we're like, ah, I agree with it or I don't agree with it, you know. But at least the machines evaluating machines with human like human making the decision <laughs> at the end. Super crazy. Man. It sounds super crazy, <laughs> but we're gonna move there. It's like really as, science fiction. Thing like going. as as uh, we need more regulations. And we are more and more ignorant of what's going on. We're going to look to Google get, and Microsoft, and it. and they're going to need to create their own machines that can have machine it's oversight. Kind of, it's kind of like a machine auditing. It's a machine Supreme Court. It's a machine yeah, ICJ. I, when you when you call it like that, it's just sounds, <laughs> it's, uh, it sounds bit. silly, but it is that, <laughs> right? Because everybody would have their own input, and no. you have you have people. Because the point of that would be you. If you have a self-regulating system, a self-regulating AI, the problem is who built the AI? What's the first mover? But if you have a council of different companies building AI that regulates AI, mm. then you have something like different inputs every time. Imagine you had a system where more uh, collaborative, if you take like something like a very loose analogy of like more blockchain, where people are able to in, uh, input their own regulatory AI, and you have systems that uh, regulate one another, then that's much better than humans trying to figure out machine ethics. 
I like that. Let's build it. Yeah, I know. I, I, well, yeah, I, I, uh, I see it. I see it. I, I can I can see it coming. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's the thing. You could sort of see it coming. Yes. I, I, what I thought of is more like some some kind of like a, a AI uh, auditing AI. So if you if you have um, if you have some kind of system built by like a, a, a group of corporations on which okay. Um, we can we can pass any kind of system through here and it's going to dissect us for us on what it was uh, uh, the 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 mechanism the causal mechanism or make the, the causal chain that led to this outcome and this machine is going to tell us what it was so we, we can we can know exactly how how did it came to be like that so something like that an auditing which is ai made auditing yeah and if it's if it's one system we get to the same problem Because then it's like, okay, well, what's the culpability who, of that who, one system? The, the who, yeah, who watches the Watchmen? Yeah. But with AI. But if you get a system where it's uh, AI compete over a c consensus, then you can get small AI actually winning the consensus and then winning some more jurisprudence. You know, that that's a sort of yeah, interesting yeah. market uh, of competition where we're, we're letting machines debate machine ethics. We're gonna have uh, AI lawyers. Yeah, yeah, um, we need AI. <laughs> What's uh, so? So you kind of give us a uh, put our initial conversation in the realm of instrumentalism, and then gave us a view of um, machine ethics. What's your view? Okay, okay, uh, but without uh, I'm sorry, with machine ethics, yeah. I think the biggest worry I have, by the way, not because I just don't like the idea or something. I think what worries me most with machine ethics is that people, this whole idea of uh, getting rid of the responsibility, you know, like okay, mm -hmm. blaming the machine, mm -hmm. and uh, I'm, you know, I'm not really part of this. I find this very scary. I just this whole idea of. Uh, allowing one part of this whole network uh, like protect itself from culpability that I don't know I find this a bit scary so that's why maybe I'm not sympathetic to this idea of uh, moral agency of uh, AI like yeah but yeah my view I think I'm uh, more close to like uh, the instrumentalist view but I I also think that they cannot answer some questions like the ones that we discussed like and they don't give enough role to the uh, tool there like it's so much there's so much weight on the uh, human part that I think we are a bit underestimating almost what those tools we are talking about are capable of and so you wanted to give some responsibility yes. to the two Uh, I'm not sure I would say I want to give responsible, but definitely acknowledging the role of the tool there. Like, as you say, for example, uh, guns don't kill like people kill. I am not sure I agree with this, for example, the general slogan, because gun has, we already discussed, has a role in this. Like, of course, they are not agent or so, but they have a moral significance in this whole action. And... In the same way, even more, more with the complex machines, even in the gun case, I think that there's some role there. But even with complex machines, I really think that the role we should give to them in this whole action should be more. And so this brings me to the third option, like hybrid uh, mm. responsibility accounts, like the joint responsibility or like there are many names like I like to call it like extended agency uh, theories. And 
here what happens is I, there's an agent, human being that we just uh, we are still loyal to the standard account of agency. There is a human being or human beings, makers, users, let's say human part. And there's the tool and it is distributed. The responsibility is distributed across uh, like the agent and the uh, non-human part, human and human part. But of course, when I say it like that, if in the first instance, it sounds good, but it comes with many, many questions. Okay, what part you are talking about? What part is, belongs to the tool? What part belongs to the human being there? Just a question. Uh, how, how, uh, how machine accountability looks like? Yeah, it's exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say a bit more? Um, yeah, but if I say that, I'm going to hint on an answer I didn't want to. <laughs> for example, for the GANs, we blame GANs already. Uh -huh, That's uh -huh. why we have regulations yeah. of GANs. So yeah, GANs yeah. are not, cannot, like, depending on the country, can be sold mm -hmm. in some, uh, some, some restrictions and the others cannot. So that's the responsibility that we attribute to guns itself. I, we, we can go the same route and say like, okay, we blame this AI too. Uh, this tool cannot be used or can only be used by certain people or can only be used in certain conditions. But I, I was interested in hearing from you, what does machine, because we know what we do to people mm -hmm. if they miss behave <laughs> in our society if a machine misbehave what we do to the machine i mean with the gun situation of course uh, like there is a role there that we acknowledge but still uh, the general idea is like uh, not really the th thinking that the gun has a uh, like a more responsibility there or something like that it is still we are uh, through the artifact we are kind of uh, attributing responsibility to for example i don't know legalizations or like the, those kind of processes like uh, distribution manufacture like it uh, the human part is still so much in this whole thing like uh, with that example mm -hmm. but uh, what i'm trying to get there and i'm still i think in the process of uh, forming that idea uh, not thinking of machines like uh, as moral agents as what machine uh, ethics do like but uh, somehow seeing it uh, the part of the uh, action and uh, there's uh, one person like Deborah Johnson like she's a very important figure in this whole discussion uh, she for example says that okay they are not moral agents uh, she thinks that the discussion is a bit two-sided like either you say they are moral agents or either you say they are not and uh, this locks the whole discussion almost and uh, what she says is they are moral entities okay but this is not enough to say this there is more to that but uh, somehow this is a good starting point i see it like uh, not attributing agency but also uh, like acknowledging the moral significance of these tools but of course there are many questions that comes with that like uh, I mean in the end who is gonna decide which uh, part of the responsibility belongs to the tool or like can we really again talking about for example blaming uh, the tool or the machine there like it is the questions are I think very similar to uh, the other two answers uh, 
the questions that are raised here also uh, very similar. But in the end, uh, the agency, I think, uh, not either in neither in uh, the tool or uh, the uh, human part, but together. And I am, I think, at this starting point right now to uh, like come up with an answer. Still, I wanna. Uh, say that human beings are the real responsible but not on their own you know like maybe we can hold uh, responsible like the individuals through in virtue of tools they make mm-hmm. i think this is the view i have like uh, because okay the human being doesn't have really so much control or knowledge but can we hold individual beings through the artifacts uh, that they are using or making like i think uh, i'm trying to uh, direct or reformulate the question there like yeah yeah i'm that's exactly the the point i was going to make um because i think that's the most important thing the reason why this conversation is important is because humans want accountability in general if we didn't mm-hmm. want accountability it wouldn't matter so when someone uses a, a gun to harm somebody else what is what is the role of the tool look like in terms of accountability if we just melt the gun down or put the gun in a box nobody's happy because we haven't done anything so the the tool represents the humans responsible for generating the tool and so now you have this again we have the the same thing we talked about with the instrumental problem with in uh, is you have the individual who uses the tool and then the the individuals that the tool represents the individuals that begot the tool and then you get this this interesting sort of thing where we have to me the the most important question in in this debate is when it, does ai cease to be a tool what is the threshold there mm-hmm. because there is going to be a point maybe where ai stops being a tool and we're able to hold it accountable because the the whole point of the accountability is we we want there to be a repercussion for the agent to act as a deterrent to not engage in that behavior. So it's not satisfying to shut the AI down because we want the AI to, I don't know, suffer somewhat. We want it to exist in a way post its action where it knows its action was not acceptable. So is is the only is the only way to stop considering a tool a tool and start considering the tool an agent when it has the ability to recognize that it did something wrong, but also recognize that we want to punish it, which is this strange sort of punitive thing that that humans have, but we have it. And that's the whole reason why I think at least this conversation is relevant. Those machines can suffer. <laughs> oh, what do you think? I, 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 no, I don't think no. <laughs> they're the first times or not. <laughs> like, I don't know. The, the, it also depends on what kind of machine you are talking about, right? Like, for example, there are cases like social robots and all. Once you talk about, for example, them, I don't know, for me, some questions get complicated. Like, for example, we know that they don't have emotions, right? Like, that's kind of pretty clear. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know, I don't want to go into this whole, like, science fiction thing. But <laughs> it is kind of straightforward that they don't have emotions. So, like, how can we really talk about... A morality or something to me that mm. um, for example machine ethics the I- reason that I'm not very uh, keen on this idea that it already stops for me the 
idea of thinking about morality once we know that, for example, machines do not have emotions. Like, I don't know, maybe I'm being too naive about machine things and I'm not very fair, maybe, but there are many reasons that I think uh, preventing me to think about morality uh, or considering morality like when it comes to machines. Is there... Um Say you're going to build a really sympathetic argument towards ethicists. Yes. Towards the mach- um, what what would that look like? Does it does it look like building in an ethics that is uh, almost like the the machine? We build a machine ethics so that they can represent a pathway towards human culpability. I am not sure I would put it in that way, mm-hmm. but human capability is like the key part there, definitely. I I think that is kind of the motivation that I'm having in this whole project. Like, uh, and but I really think that uh, not only in this discussion, but the role of or artifacts are a bit overlooked in our general like social activities i mean we acknowledge it and all but still the level that we acknowledge i think is a bit low still like uh, i i mean i don't want to go into other discussions like extended mind extended agency but it is an idea that actually we are so much involved uh, like the, those artifacts human made artifacts Uh, are so much involved in our uh, like activities, actions, and all. And its role is not only a causal role, I think. Like, or maybe it is a causal role, but I, I don't know. There's something there that uh, I just want to say more than the instrumentalist, but I want to say less than the machinetics. Like, uh, I want to hold the individual responsibility, but uh, making the big place for the Uh, tool there but I also don't want to say that tool has somehow like the machine is uh, having mental sense that I mean, many people none none of the people say that but uh, I don't want to say that they constitute or like they are the uh, sufficient conditions for morality but they are necessary and that's I think my claim is like uh, unlike machine ethics like uh, I want to say that They are necessary, but not sufficient. Like, and this necessity part is kind of important when it comes to talking about uh, responsibility. And, but as I say, I think this is kind of a uh, idea that needs to be explored a lot. And uh, it's I'm kind of in the beginning of it. I would say. Yeah. Is there are there any other components that are sort of giving you trouble or or is that sort of the core of the idea that you're working out right now i mean yeah uh, i mentioned like extended mind uh, theories like i'm the basic idea there is that like our minds extend beyond our bodies into non-human uh, entities like objects like phones or notebooks or like but the idea there is a bit different because uh Then, like Clark and Chalmers, once uh, first when they talk about extended mind, uh, this was a completely a different uh, story. But they really uh, made sure uh, to like uh, give enough role, or maybe even uh, more role than I would give, like to tools uh, people use in their uh, like cognitive activities. Like so, I think I'm uh, trying to. Uh, 
somehow connect this idea of cognition, like uh, extended mind idea, with uh, the agents. Because once when they talk about, I listen to some of interviews, uh, Clark and Chalmers, like uh, when they talk about extended mind, they also say many times, like said, uh, extended agents and all. So I think, uh, of course, mentality agents, they are very like close concepts and uh Once you talk about like mentality mind, it's somehow the agency also comes into picture easily. And uh, that bridge between those theories, I think, could be useful when it comes to thinking about responsibility as well. Like, but yeah, uh, the way they do it and all is kind of uh, different what I have in mind, like because uh, they really talk about objects that we always carry around, for example, that are somehow part of us, like a phone or a notebook that the subject carries all the time with them uh, and they use it whenever they want to, I don't know, uh, remember something and they are somehow almost attached to them, you know. But I, this is not really what I'm trying to go there because the examples that I give, for example, like... Uh, like chatbots and all, it's not really the case that they are attached to us and it is part of our whole uh, like cognition because the claim there is like they are part of the cognition of the subject. So it is a very like extreme view that I wouldn't go that far. But uh, like we even with the tools that are not attached to us, like that are not really part of us all the time, I think you could claim something similar. Yeah, I mean, these are that... The whole 4E umbrella, I think, is really important because it helps make sense of how cognition can emerge in such a complex way. And also sort of in by virtue of doing that can allow us to look at the different cognitive capacities that we have, um, which is to extend uh, and uh, basically uh, outsource some parts of our cognition to mm-hmm. enhance our cognition. And there's this, like we said earlier, when m- with machines not having emotions, they're not embodied. You know, then, and this is also an important thing. So one of the, I'm wondering if uh, this is any part of the conversation is what aspects of of the four E's or any, anything in cognition are attributable to to AI because they don't extend at the moment mm-hmm. uh, and they're not embodied. Uh, you can make some case that like putting an AI and a robot might embody it in some sense, particularly if we build really complex pain uh, <laughs> uh, sensations. But then it does have this ability to enact. It does have this sort of inactive ability, right? And I think that's a very interesting thing. And when people are not thinking about cognition uh be, they're just interacting with the machine they're wowed by ChatGPT, and they're like is it thinking and it's like well it's, it's not thinking because it's missing all of these really important things you're engaging with this one thing that it does do uh it it, it is enacted i mean it, that that's a really interesting thing you it interacts to the world with the world around it so that's a really interesting component can you does that constitute ethics I, to me, well, no, because ethics would require all of the other components mm. of cognition. Yeah, yeah, I think I agree with you. And I I think the difference also, like, I want to add that, like, uh, my idea and extended mind and uh, extended agency theories is that I do not think that what is happening there, that agency is extended. Maybe I 
could have said that maybe I might have said that and I'm uh, sorry for it. But I think also in extended mind, for example, I do not think that what is extending is our mind. Like uh, it is some, for example, knowledge could be ex- extended because knowledge is not something totally internal like it depends on factors that are outside like for example belief is more something uh, like doesn't really depend so much like uh, outside factors I don't know maybe you would disagree with that but uh, for example knowledge is something uh, that depends on many factors that in the external world like uh, it has to be belief has to be confirmed by something real outside so what I would say also agency or mind those are not the things that are extending but for example responsibility could be extended like that's why I would have put it in that way like because responsibility is also something that is not purely based on internal mental states but that has to be that is related to something in the external world the outcomes that we talked about like so what is happening is there Yeah, not the agency, but the responsibility is somehow extended. And this extension is kind of uh, giving us the necessary criterions, the ones that we talked in the beginning, like the control or knowledge, like because in the AI cases, since those were lacking, like to attribute. So maybe those could be fulfilled. Maybe we don't even need those conditions, like uh, with the in virtue of the Uh, in virtue of AI, maybe this could replace those conditions. Like maybe those conditions are not that necessary enough by virtue of like, in virtue of this extended responsibility and the role of AI, maybe it is possible to ascribe responsibility. So this is also a different understanding of also agency, but also not saying an extended agency. Like, uh, yeah, it is now I realize that it is more complicated than what I uh, thought. But yes, I think this is more or less what I am right now. Looking from the side of uh, distributed cognition, for example. Yeah. So if we are the three of us working together and we are outsourcing some some cognitive, uh, um, some calculation or some some cognitive process within our to each other. So each one of us is doing some mm-hmm. some 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 part of this process and we are working together towards one goal if something goes wrong are we all to blame so that's 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 i think what you you yes. would be looking for right it sounds like that i don't know if i'm right no 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 i think you're on the uh, yeah right spot like i this is how i would also uh, like formulate like the what's happening we become kind of a temporary entity yes yes when we have when we are doing the exchange of mental labor between our between the, the both of us or me and the machine so uh we become this this coupled kind of entity yeah temporarily temporarily yeah yeah i think that's a one of the interesting things that happens when we form any type of corporation right is that everybody engaging in the corporation's actions is doing something like distributing responsibility. And there's something like the, we understand that there are costs and benefits to rising in the hierarchy where you you take on more responsibility uh, and culpability, but um, you, you are just one part of the process. And so maybe there's something about the interaction which we make more legally explicit between developer and corporation and user 
which of course the the tool itself, the AI, would have no capacity to understand. Uh, but people are implicated by virtue of the AI's presence in this sort of distributed mm -hmm. uh, system. Yeah, I, I really like that idea. Like, and uh, yeah, I think it's very important to talk about this whole network, not really focusing on one one part and the other part, but really uh, seeing how it is distributed the responsibility. But in the end, with the aim of uh, like somehow finding and uh, like the human part there, like the responsible. And, but yeah, with the focus of the network. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, yeah right on. Is, um, we can start wrapping it up. Is there, are there any other things you want to touch upon? Mm, no, I think I'm good. Cool. Uh, so you already said a couple of times that you're a pessimist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, I that's don't know. What do you think? I I am kind of pessimist, I think, because of the issues that I talked, like the data and how it is so much dependent on data. Like I'm I'm never uh, well. I'm not so worried about the machines, but who owns the machines? Mm, most of the time, of course, so, yeah. So yeah. that's my worry. Yeah, basically. So uh, for that, I am pessimist. I think uh, the kind of of technology that we are developing is going to get uh, more concentrated in some hands as as much as this kind of technology give more power to the same people. So, um, I'm, yeah, I'm on the pessimist side as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think in the, yeah, yeah, rightfully so. I mean, I think um, what I was thinking is that anytime uh, the power is in the wrong hands, uh, being that you would deal with power, is, I think that rightfully so pessimistic because I was thinking I'm, you know, I'm pessimistic purely about the use of AI. I'm not pessimistic about machine overlords. Um, I'm pessimistic about the use of AI and the use of robotics as machines of war. And I'm also pessimistic about, you know, related things like uh, environmental sustainability. I'm pessimistic because I know that the power structures and the incentives for the power structures are in the wrong place. And I'm not so hopeful that the regulation will come in to be able to mitigate the risks of AI, just like we're not able to mitigate the risks of climate change, even though the repercussions for climate change are present. And the, the repercussions uh, of advanced AI are, we're on the precipice of it. I don't think we, we haven't hit it in a real way where um, you have something like uh, massive amounts of deaths caused by AI. Um, we might get there because of negligence, um, but we are getting to the point where people are dying and suffering because of climate change and still nothing happens. So I guess that's what makes me pessimistic for the same reasons. Yeah. I somehow want to say something good about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> say, please say something good. That was something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheering up us. Robots are good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a. I guess also one of the interesting things about like uh, family robots and robots in your public space, and there there is a lot of a lot of good. And I guess one of the one of the things about um, the the stuff that you deal with is there are immediate applications for. Um, making people feel more safe with inviting robots into the home that are meant to take care of people. I'm thinking especially, obviously, el elderly and people who need palliative care. I think these are great things, yeah. especially if they're sympathetic yeah. if, or produce, uh, um, yeah. you know, <laughs> produce something like sympathy. Yeah, because there's a debate on whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. Um, if you have any opinions on it, feel free. But. I mean, it, it, this brings me back to what I said about emotions mm. and machines. Like, I feel like... Uh, 
without an idea of feeling of empathy or like those I don't know that somehow deep down makes me feel very worried this whole idea of psychopathic mm. uh, robots you know like yeah. I'm like Oh, okay. Yeah, this. Uh, I, I don't know. How are we gonna even trust them? Like, uh, I cannot trust anything that doesn't have emotions. Like, uh, for me, this is kind of a red line almost. <laughs> yeah, as I mean, this is Asimov's three rules of robotics. I mean, this is like the, this is the iRobot story right out, which is that we hope that the rules that we cr- that we generate to um, constrain the behavior is sufficient to mitigate the risks of inviting them into our homes because they will appear probably sympathetic. Um, they never will be, yeah. um, but they will They will appear to be. And that is that is a very dangerous thing. The psychopathic robots are, are and this is sort of a, a hubris, uh, you know, are we capable to foresee enough to build the rules in such a way? Um, and I think Asimov's rules are a good starting point uh, where we constrain the behavior of these machines such that we're okay giving them sympathetic traits or should they always be, um, you know, here's the other sort of crazy thing is even when they're just unsympathetic, faceless things that move around autonomously, we still ascribe uh, human traits to them. Yeah. Uh, the, the vacuum robots, people name their vacuum robots, people have sympathy for I've... the vacuum. It is the least human thing it is a box that moves yeah. and people are like, oh, it moves seemingly on its of its own will. Therefore, it must be uh, an oh, agent. Oh, it sees that, you know, like it's... Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, and it, it feeds in each other, right? The, the, the fact that uh, we wanted to create robots that look like us and that's super crazy for me. I know that there is a social component that they want the whole robot to fulfill, but it just sounds so... It is still puzzles me so much that we wanted to build... Uh, a, a thing that looks like a primate as is, is if this primate somehow special the form of it or like there is a special there is some stuff but that still puzzles me why do you want to build a metal monkey if we have other ways to make new monkeys and it works <laughs> so I, I'm just puzzled by that I don't know how we're about about time but I wanted to 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 wrap up something with uh, I just wanted to know um what has personally motivated you to pursue those questions? What's just like, what gets you there? What makes it personally interesting for like, okay, I, I, I see, I don't know, anything that you can tell me about you that make all of this endeavor yeah. worthwhile? I mean, I uh, very briefly talked about bias, right? Like implicit bias thing. This is actually how my research started, like talking about bias, implicit bias and responsibility also. How can we attribute responsibility in implicit biases? And so in the end, I kind of found myself thinking about responsibility. And also I realized that bias is a huge issue in AI. Like, so uh, somehow I realized that, okay, that's interesting. Algorithmic bias is very similar to implicit bias in many ways. And uh, so this whole uh, worries about data and bias is kind of like coming from that research. And uh, then somehow uh, while I was talking, thinking about bias, I found myself thinking about in general, like responsibility of AI. And I realized that, okay, artifacts, tools, like, I don't know, in the end, uh, also this is, as we said, it's a very hot topic, right? Like everybody talks about it right now, like in the public discussion, in uh, like academic, uh, academic discussions. And like, so I somehow like uh, those topics that people 
uh, are interested in and I'm also at the same interested in right now in my everyday life you know so why would I not go deeper in this uh, whole thought so what does it make interesting for you I mean uh, that's <laughs> yeah I mean there, there are other hot topics out there uh, yeah that's true that's true but uh, I mean, this is also kind of a personal question for me. I have to say. <laughs> yeah, no, no. If you, if you don't want it to answer, no, 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 no. I will answer. But you can ask, like there is no wrong answer. Right? I mean, <laughs> like because I am interested like, in like uh, preventing the harmful effects of bias, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I, this is all. That's why I said that this is kind of a personal for me. Like mm-hmm. uh, this whole research in bias like because this is especially implicit bias is like something so I find dangerous and like uh, everywhere embedded in our lives and the fact that it is not very obviously there it makes it more dangerous and similar way algorithmic bias is like that we act like machines are neutral morally neutral things Mm -hmm. and that is one of the things that makes me worry most like how we perceive machines you know like AI as if they just make the uh, best decisions or for us or like they have the most neutral uh, outcomes for us like the most fair like Mm -hmm. and so I'm like non with the bias discussion and black box operations of AI like and the lack of uh, transparency I that creates a very scary picture for me and I'm like okay we should really think about more how uh, AI is really involved in this whole injustice and like mm-hmm. I think my personal reasons for this research is really related to what it was before with bias like somehow trying to address the injustices uh, and yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really um, beautiful thing because we also, uh, we mean like Guilherme and I, like there's the pursuit of knowledge, like the scientific and philosophical advancement, but there's a very strong, maybe arguably even the stronger one is the the ability to, to make use of human knowledge to build a more equitable world. And I think that's a, it's a nice thing that we find quite often uh, in our conversations um, with other folks, which is, I think, one of the most powerful things to discover is I don't just want to know. I, I want to know, and, and there's a goal, and the goal is humans ought not suffer. And they're not only ought not suffer, but also like ought to have a more equitable, uh, charitable uh, reality that they, that they exist in. Yeah, I agree. Completely. Right on. Uh, so I guess we can we can end it there. Thank you so much. Thank you so Thank much you. for inviting. <laughs>